Today our text uh, assumes a, a point of contact or a wrestling with a heart as it deals with disagreements or anxiousness, uh, un- unreasonableness, discord, and even division, but it specifically addresses um, just the tension and the difficulty we often experience um, in anxiety and also how we interact uh, within that anxiety uh, with one another. And so this morning I wanted to open up by asking us, what are some ways we experience anxiety and what are some ways we deal with it? You know, I know some of us on the spectrum might consider ourselves very anxious people that we are always worrying and some of us uh, may consider ourselves, yeah, it's only in certain things or in certain contexts that I feel my anxiety uh, well up. And w- wherever you are in the spectrum, I, I want us to consider uh, what are some ways that we experience that type of anxiety and what are some ways that we deal with it. I remember after uh, my wife and I got married, leading up to it, there were just so many things to plan, so many things to coordinate. And after we got married for like the first two weeks, I would wake up yelling in my sleep i would wake up like ah you know like like judge dread out of the ice or wolverine out of the pool of water and i know what some of you guys are thinking it probably makes more sense that it would be my wife waking up screaming in horror uh but i just remember having so much anxiety that that i would i would it would release like in the middle of the night as, as i yell and wake up you know, I remember in college, um, just through the exams and trying to figure out what I'm going to major in and, and just the future, um, I, I ended up developing, I think it was carpal tunnel, but regardless, I couldn't fall asleep or I couldn't, or I found myself whenever I slept or to try to go to sleep, I would have to curl my, my wrists like this and I would either sleep like this or it, it behind my, my arms behind my head and, and then, and the numbing sensation actually like brought some ease. And it got so bad to the point where I remember digging up these old rollerblade uh, wrist guards. You know, they got the hard plastic on the top and on the bottom. And it's supposed to keep you from flexing your uh, uh, wrist when you fall. And I remember I would, I would put those on both hands, tighten it up, and, and it's almost a splint. And I would try to sleep like that because after a while, my, my wrist would get so narrow and, um, you know, as, as, as much as I like to be a manly man, I'm always so self-conscious how narrow my, my wrists are. You know, some of, some of you guys can relate to, to those types of uh, waking up in the middle of the night or not being able to fall asleep or, or not even wanting to get out of your bed. Some of you guys know the endless search for remedies or teas or aromas and medication. And some of you guys are, are very familiar with anxiously looking out your window, watching your kids play and worrying if they are socializing well or if they're being treated well by the other kids. Some of us know the anxiety that drives us to uh, overwork or even procrastinate. Anxieties that lead us to to be in a constant steady irritability. And and when we think we're being patient, in reality, it's just building up uh, to the point where, where just that, that, that straw kind of breaks it. And we either break down or, or we explode with, with sensations of feeling overwhelmed. And I know some, for some of us, perhaps, that we deal with these anxieties in very just visceral ways, you know, through alcohol or tobacco or sexual release. And some of us exercise uh, uh, to get rid of anxiety just through working out. Or some of us go and take it out on a tub of ice cream. 
uh, or on a, a bowl of ramen noodles with all the fixings. Some of us read and read and read articles and books and blogs because we feel if we just know enough, the anxiety would dissipate. Some of us think and think and think and plan and plan and plan and, and all these things. Um, we, we try to, f- to figure things out and plan and, and, and do all that we can to try to, to dissipate uh, the worries and the anxieties. And, and a lot of these things uh, aren't bad, but I think if we're honest, just like medication, just like uh, all these things we try to do, uh, the, they, they're only addressing the symptoms, right? And I think there is a deeper heart issue as we come before the Lord and as our text reveals to us today that uh, when we struggle with anxiety, there is an, an issue, uh, there is a wrestling, and it's a matter of trusting, it's a matter of rejoicing. So our gospel message today, if you look with me, is, is very simple, that uh, we are to rejoice in the Lord always, and His peace will guard us. Rejoice in the Lord always, and His peace will guard you, right? Uh, anxiousness and, and peace are opposites here, and we see that rejoicing in the Lord is how we go from anxiousness to peace. And Paul is bold, right? He, he'll say it twice. He wants to almost pin us down and challenge us and encourage us. And he says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice in the Lord. And so we're going to look at two things today. I know we usually go with three, but today we're just going to look at two simple things. How do we rejoice? Well, by faithfully exercising first reasonableness and second thanksgiving. And so the first point, reasonableness, if we look uh, in verse 5, you'll see it up here. It says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And when we think about the word reasonableness, and if we look at the different translations, we see that it can also be understood as gentleness, uh, moderation, yielding, and, a, and a, a sense of agreeableness. And so if you look in the above verses, verses 2 to 3, Paul addresses uh, two women here as well as um, the, the other Christians around them. And he says, I entreat uh, Yodia and entreat Syndicate to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, we don't know who that is, but he seems to also ask this person to be an uh, agent of reconciliation and, and try to... Um, bring these two women together. He says, Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement, and the rest of the fellow workers whose name are in the book of life. And so Paul's saying that there are these two women. uh, They seem to have a dispute. Even though they are on the same team, they labor side by side. They're fellow workers. They even share... uh, 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 eternal life together their their names are in the book of life that there seems to be a disagreement that arose and paul is saying that uh paul is entreating and encouraging these two women and the christians around them to help them cultivate a sense of uh, reasonableness a gentleness a yielding and an agreeability with one another as as they're driven by the gospel to do the work And this goes back, if you look again, and if you can recall, in Philippians 2, verse 2, Paul says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord 
uh, end of one mind. And Paul, again, as he repeats uh, various themes throughout his whole letter, here he is touching upon the sense of unity, agreeability, humility, and, and, and sense of being reasonable as we are endeavoring together to do gospel work. You know, women played a big role in the church of Philippi. The first convert uh, was Lydia, a woman. And one of the first people to witness and experience the power of Christ was a little girl who was demon-possessed. And, and similarly here, these two women uh, were laborers of the gospel. They were, uh, we can assume, passionate, zealous. And, and, and they were fellow workers co-laboring together for the same good news, for the same Lord, for the same harvest. And they share the same joys as they find their names in the book of life together. And so we see that in, in this context, there are two dynamics happening. We need to faithfully practice reasonableness uh, in our individual lives as well as our corporate life with one another. As, as we not only do the work of the gospel, we'll, we'll find that anxiety will rise up because we're just sinful, broken and, and, and sensitive and insecure people, we'll see that we, we need to exercise a reasonableness that we have in Christ in, in our own internal workings and as well as our external workings with one another. So we'll look at that uh, first, the individual aspect. You know, being united to Christ, being uh, joined with Jesus, having eternal life, eternal fellowship, eternal security that no matter how things go up or down, that Christ will never leave or forsake us. This type of union with Him gives us a, or should give us a reasonableness because it, it addresses our life's goal, our purpose, our drive, and, and the end is no longer a variable, but it's set and sealed, not only by the blood of Christ, but by the endowment of the Holy Spirit. This means that we can live in light of the world's troubles and anxieties in a reasonable way. This means that as we worry, as we struggle, as anxiousness simmers up, that we can function and faithfully live through them in a reasonable way because we are joined together with Christ, because we belong to Him and He belongs to us. This means that we don't have to be enslaved and overwhelmed by the troubles of this world and anxieties. And this can be applied to all of us, whether you are a student right now and, and you're unsure of what the future may hold because all of economy and all of the education system and everything structurally we thought were something that we can uh, hold on to seems to be unstable. Same goes for those who are just working, whether you're employees or employers, whether you're looking for a job or just lost your job or in the in-between jobs, whether you're a parent and you're struggling with how to raise your children who are either young or even old and married with their own kids. This is applicable for us uh, as siblings or as sons and daughters, brothers and sisters and friends, as church members, because if we're honest, a lot of times the way we function the way we think, the way we maneuver and move about in society is oftentimes driven by our fears and our anxieties. But as we're united to Christ, we know that there is a reasonableness that we can go through. And it says that our identity is secure in Christ. Our purpose in life is secure in Christ. Our future 
is secure in Christ. Knowing Christ gives us a peace in all areas of our life. Not just the eternal reality of the future, not just when we get there on the other side of glory, not just in heaven, but right now in the present moments of today, in the here and now of our anxieties. We know that as people who are united to Him, as people who belong to Him, as people who hear the promises from Christ Himself that says, I will lose not one, that I will go out and find the lost, that I will never cast you away, but I will never leave you nor forsake you and be with you. This type of, this type of peace and security helps us to be reasonable in moments where anxiety would have us be unreasonable, when anxieties would, would flood our thoughts and our hearts and, and make us scramble and, and gasp for some kind of security. You know, whether we face rejection from the schools that we want to go to, the jobs that we are applying for, and even in the micro moments uh, through comments between friends and, and acquaintances and public gatherings, we can be reasonable and gentle because we are at peace with whatever the Lord has prepared for us. If we are brought high and experience success and joys, we are content and we can be reasonable and gentle. If we fail, if we're humbled and brought low, we can also be content and reasonable. We don't have to be irritable or unhappy or bitter or insecure because we have the peace of Christ that secures all of our ups and downs to onward. So we can indeed, as we heard last week, press on each time forgetting what lies behind and straining forward towards Jesus you know, when we give our life to Christ, we are called to give not only uh, the whole of it, right, but every part of it. It's easy to just say, Jesus, I give you my whole life. But what, what anxiety does is it often targets specific areas in our lives. And it's those specific areas that we can trust in the Lord's hand. You know, for a long time, one of my prayers used to, to be, God, help me to know that my problems, my anxieties are much smaller in your mighty hands than mine. You know, if there are areas of anxiousness that drives us uh, to sinfulness, then we know that those are the very areas that we have to bring before the Lord. If we cannot rejoice in the Lord, uh, if we do not feel His, His, uh, His peace, and it's because oftentimes the anxiousness snuffs out that peace. And if we're overly anxious, it's because we're unable to trust God in those moments. And when we, we believe that, that our, our future, our struggles, our problems are better off in our own hands and our own decisions rather than trusting in the Lord as we faithfully make those decisions. You know, the truth is, if, if we really believe that we are in charge of our own life to the entirety, that scares us. I can't even decide if I'm going to put on pants or shorts in the morning sometimes. Even that decision, I'm just stressed. I don't want to be uh, the God of my own life making all these important future decisions, right? I don't know all the variables, but I know that God does. And that allows me, that allows us to faithfully make decisions in the context of anxiousness to trust in Him. 
to, to experience His peace and to faithfully continue to live our days the best we can as we trust Him. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, Rejoice in the Lord. Let your reasonableness, Christians, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Even if nothing should work out according to your plans, rejoice because at the end of the day, at the end of your life, everything will go according to His plans. And that's what we believe as Christians and that's what gives us a deep sense of peace and security. That's how the peace of Christ guards our hearts in times of overwhelming anxiety. And so even as we function internally in our thoughts and in our hearts, as, as, as this reasonableness of who we are in Christ addresses our, our internal, our, our, our self, we know that it, it should also address how we interact with one another. If we're united to Christ, then we also are united to one another. If we belong to Christ, then we also belong uh, to one another. It allows us to let our reasonableness be known to everyone. It helps us reasonably to understand that if I'm this anxious, if I struggle and if I go through these things, you know, I'm sure my brother and sisters also struggle with this type of anxiety. You know, in a in a given situation, we often feel overlooked or we often feel that perhaps that someone uh, is not as loving with us. And perhaps uh, reasonableness would help us to see that that they're wrestling with their anxieties as well, that they're uh, anxious and, and not sure on what to say or how to say it or how to approach us or how to interact. And reasonableness will allow us to engage with one another corporately in, in, a, in a gentle way, in a loving way, in a uh, give that person the benefit of the doubt type of way. You know, as mentioned earlier and as Paul states, these two women were gospel-driven workers. They were passionate. They were zealous. And sometimes that can cause disagreements. But Paul entreats them to agree. And, and yes, there are things we should not compromise and there are things that we should disagree with. However, there should be a spirit of agreement in the gospel. There should be a oneness in mind and drive and goal. The ultimate end of the gospel of Jesus should should keep the major things major and the minor things minor. This means uh, that the gospel should dictate and address ultimately how we interact with another beyond our political thoughts, beyond our social thoughts, beyond our class, beyond what we, what our, our hopes and dreams are, beyond uh, where we live in, in, in the bordering counties, beyond where we want to uh, you know, live our lives and send our kids to school, beyond uh, what we want to do and what we think the best uh, ways to do those things are in church. There, there, there ought to be a sense of agreeableness, a gentleness. There ought to be the, the primary drive of how do we advance the gospel. And there are many ways to do it. There isn't just one prescription. And so Paul is, is not only challenging uh, these two women and the church there, but he also uh, challenges us. And God's Word challenges us that, that if, if you are in, in, a, in between a, a squabble or a squibble or uh, a disagreement, that, that the gospel should ultimately address our reasonableness it should ultimately uh, bring down our anxiousness our guard and it should allow us to 
to live together and function in a way where we can be reasonable with one another. We can be loving and gentle and agreeable with one another. You know, how much of our anxieties come from interactions uh, with, with other people? That's why we often avoid uh, gatherings or interactions. Some of us right now um, are able to meet up with some people, and I don't know about you, but you know, I, I've experienced there's a joy of being able to socialize again, but there's also a strange anxiousness because you're not quite sure. And, and it, it sounds ridiculous to say, but you forgot how to even engage with people and keep a conversation going. And after you go through, you know, how was quarantine and, you know, what did you guys do? It's, it seems uh, tough to, to kind of get into one another's lives again. How anxious and insecure are we about just small things and, and great things? But what if we were to build one another up, reasonably understanding that all of us struggle with anxieties and worries to some degree? What if in our gatherings and interactions, uh, we were able to build one another up? What if after interactions and gatherings, we could walk away with the peace of Christ and experience His peace as we share our lives with one another? Right? That's the ultimate goal and hope for our uh, community groups. It could be a time where we gather and it's a time where anxious people, broken people, hurt people can come together and experience Christ's peace. And I know if we're honest, parents, a lot of times it's so hard to bring our kids to these gatherings because we feel more anxious. Right? As they're an extension of ourselves, we, we often leave public gatherings more anxious about what people thought about us as parents, our children. If we're students, what people thought about our, our, our major and the things that we've changed and you know, and, and the future that we are thinking about, the jobs that we want to pursue. Sometimes even in, in, in small talk, we leave with so much anxiety. What if in those moments we can really, in a gentle heart, build one another up so that not only do we experience the peace of Christ in our own personal lives, that we can also be agents of, of that in other people. You know, there's an illustration and it and it. It's context from Matthew 6 where Jesus says, uh, don't be anxious. You know, he says, look at the birds in the air. They, they neither uh, sow or reap or gather into barns, but the Heavenly Father feeds them. And so there's this uh, old poem, and, and, it, and, it, and it, I want to just share it with you real quick. It's about these two birds talking to one another. It's a simple poem, and it goes like this. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know. Why these human beings rush about and worry so? Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. And it's, it's, it's just a cute but, but um, very telling little poem about these two birds talking as they observe us in our franticness, in our anxieties, in our planning. And they're just like, man, why are they worrying so much? And, and they can only conclude that maybe they don't have a Heavenly Father that cares about them like they do, like He does for us. But the reality and, and the irony is that we do have a Heavenly Father that cares about us. We do have a Savior that says, think about the birds. They, they don't do much, but the Heavenly Father feeds them and knows what they need. How much more so if you who are loved by Him, if you who are united to Him, would He not care for you? 
the last part of, of the verse we're looking at right now says that the Lord is at hand. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand right now. Perhaps as your kids are running wild while you're trying to worship. The Lord is at hand right now as you are in between tough financial decisions. The Lord is at hand right now as you are not sure what tomorrow may look like. The Lord is at hand right now in the present moment as you feel anxious about the days to come. The Lord is at hand right now and He will never leave or forsake you. And not only is the Lord at hand right now, but the Lord is also coming back once and for all to wipe away every tear where there will be no more seas and turmoil and waves of anxiety in our lives because everything will be steady and secured. Sin will be no more. This is why when the Lord leaves, we see in John 14, He says, The peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but the peace I give to you. And so the second point and the last point we're looking at is thanksgiving. So our text says, The Lord is at hand. If we look at verse 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're looking at prayer and supplication. And I went back and forth and I, and I thought about making the second point, prayer. But I think, I think we struggle with prayer a lot. And the reason we struggle with prayer is because we struggle with the heart of prayer. And so here we see that the heart of prayer is thanksgiving. If you're struggling with praying, it's probably because there's something going on in the hearts that anxiety has taken over. And here we see that there is a, a, an issue of thanksgiving. And so Paul says, make your prayers and supplication with hearts of thanksgiving. Prayers and supplications are hard. If our hearts are hard and not filled with thanksgiving, a heart of thanksgiving is humble, it's reasonable, it's gentle, it's agreeable, it's supple, it's soft to the Lord's touch and guidance, His giving and His taking. A heart of thanksgiving recognizes that the only thing we deserve is death on a cross for our sins, but we have life by the cross from our Savior. A calloused heart that doesn't remember the soothing touch of Christ, will never turn to Christ in prayer. And so what I want us to think about is this. If we are anxious, it's, if we are worried, if we are, are overcome with, with the worries and struggles of this world, it's easy as, as a preacher or as a Christian to say to one another, hey, you have to pray. Just read the Bible more and pray. And that is a good and true answer. But I think if we go deeper, the heart of it is, hey, be reasonable and be thanks, thankful for what God has done for you in Christ. It's not just a supplication, right? It's not just, God, can you do this and that for me? Can you give me this job? Can you uh, uh, help me raise my kids? Help, can you, can you uh, uh, 
give us financial stability? Can you do X, Y, and Z? It's not just supplications. Can you make our church look like this? Can you change this in my life? But it's a prayer that is driven by a heart of thankfulness, a teachable heart that is thankful for the gift of Christ that is undeservedly given to us. It's a heart that is soft and mendable and teachable and agreeable. It's a heart that's supple to any way and, 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 and however the Lord answers our prayers. This understanding of what Christ has done for us and who we are in Him gives us a peace from God we are told that surpasses all understanding. This thankful heart, a heart of, of, of thanksgiving that engages in prayer and supplication, doesn't, doesn't think just simply logically or through experiences or through data or odds or probability or scientific hypothesis or, or human philosophies. A thankful heart ultimately is grounded in the reality that God loves me, He died for me, and even though I don't deserve His love and eternal life, He's given it to me. A thankful heart that understands that amazing grace is then able to come to the Lord with all the anxiousness that we have and lay it at His feet. A thankful heart is is able to be reasonable in this sense. Reasonable knowing that God holds all things in His hands. Reasonable that He gives us assurance that He is for us and that He's with us. And we're told that this peace will guard our hearts and our minds, our anxious thoughts and our doubtful hearts, that it's going to guard it. And the word being used here is is descriptive of like a military stronghold, a a protective area uh, to to keep a a safeguard, that that the peace of Christ will guard our thoughts and our hearts it would protect us it would shield us it would embrace us it would hem us in so that no matter how much anxiety we may feel no many no matter how much uh, how much we may worry that god's peace will guard it so that as we are filled with reasonableness and thanksgiving we can go to him in prayer and so let me conclude by having us uh, look at the last few verses 8 and nine. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Be reasonable. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I want to conclude by 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 the by looking at once more in, in, in verse eight and nine where Paul says, "Think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you." You know, it's not one and done. It's not a, oh, I get it now. I'm supposed to be reasonable. Oh, I have to be filled with thanksgiving. It's not a, I've heard a sermon on it once. Why isn't it happening? Rather, it's it's something that needs to be practiced over and over again. Anxiousness never goes away with one pill, one cup of tea, one type of remedy. Anxiousness will always come up. And that's why we have to practice these things. 
We have to practice rejoicing in the Lord, hearts filled with thanksgiving. We have to practice being reasonable in our own quiet thought life, the things that we, we, we cling on to. We have to be reasonable with how we engage with one another. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul says again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. Be reasonable. And take it to the Lord of prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. We're told that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that surpasses your understanding, my understanding, that surpasses any brilliant human's understanding, the peace of God that surpasses any news article or research study, the peace of God that surpasses anything that we can find on the internet, any medicine that we can search out for, any remedy, the peace of God that surpasses all those things will guard us and keep us, will protect us as we rejoice in Him with reasonableness and thanksgiving. And so let me close us in prayer as we reflect on the hymn we will respond with. It says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find the solace there. Brothers and sisters, as we struggle with the anxieties, may we rejoice in the Lord always with a reasonableness in Christ and with a heart filled with thanksgiving because we know that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and guard our thoughts in Christ Jesus.